This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. Father, our Lord Jesus prayed, Father, make them one, even as you or him are one. And Father, because we're one with Jesus, we're one with you. We're here in your presence, Father, worshiping you, Father, from our hearts, from our spirit, in truth, the way you declare it, Father. And we delight in you, Father. We set our focus only on you, to know you, Father. To be changed by you. To glorify your name. Father, with our praise. With our adoration. We delight ourselves in you. Our hearts, Father, rejoice in you. Because you are the strength of our life. You are our portion forever, O God. You are our portion in the land of the living, O God. You are our inheritance. And we thank you, Father. We have a rich and bless inheritance, Father. We thank you for the blood of Jesus, which sanctified us and justified us, Father, by faith in that name and that blood, Father. We thank you that today we stand, Father, knowing, Father, that you are doing a work in us, O oh God, to bring glory to your name in the earth, Father. A work of transformation by your true Father, by your Spirit, to look just like Jesus. We adore you, Lord Jesus. We thank you not only what you're doing us, but we thank you what you're doing in this city, in this region, in this state, and throughout this nation. You hear the cry of the righteous, O God. Your people who cry out to you, O God, and you answer. And we thank you, Lord God, that the good work you have begun, you will perfect it, O God. You're going to continue your work, Father, in this nation. Father, in every area of this nation, our government, O God, our education system, O God, our our, our, our business, O God, in Wall Street, O God. Father, in your people, O God, in our youth, Father, a mighty work, O God, turning that which the devil meant for evil, you're turning it around. For your glory, for the good, oh God. We thank you that you use us as laborers, oh God. You thrust us out into harvest, oh God. And you also draw those, oh God, who are hurting. Those who are broken, oh God. Those who are looking for an answer. Father, you draw them to your place where you meet us, oh God. Even here today, you draw and you answer. The cry of their hearts, Father, you show them that you are real, that you love them, that you are for them and not against them, that you have a purpose and a plan for their life, oh God. We thank you for continually drawing them in and pouring out your grace, pouring out your love, pouring out your truth. We thank you for the anointing that comes, Father, through the word today. That it'll destroy yokes and remove burdens, oh God. Lord, and that we, your children, would hear and receive, oh Father, that word, the engrafted word. 
that delivers us from anything, Father, the enemy tries to bring against us. Be glorified here today in our midst. In Jesus' precious name. Thank you, Father. Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You know, Jesus, in response to the Pharisees, when they tried to trick him one day about, you know, whether they should pay taxes or whether they should do this or that, he said this. He said, render under Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God's. You know, what God is requiring what God is asking and what we should be giving to Him is what we've been doing this morning, and that is worship. Before we do anything else, we worship Him. We offer our love. We offer ourselves. We lift up the name of Jesus, and we worship Him because He alone is worthy. Isn't that true? He's the one who has redeemed us. He is the one who loves us unconditionally. And He is the one who's bringing about His plan and His purpose for our lives. Amen. If you wouldn't mind, would you just, let's just lift up a hand if you would. We lift up hands to worship God and just thank God for who He is. Thank Him for His love, for His grace, for His goodness. Father, we love You. We thank You. It is our privilege to worship You. Lord, we're going to have a thankful heart. We're going to be grateful to You. You've been good to us. You are a good God. You are a loving Father. You are a mighty Savior, Jesus. Oh, we thank You and bless You. We love You. We love You. We love You. Well, amen. Amen. Well, before you're seated, greet someone. And if you don't know them, introduce yourself and just bless them in the name of Jesus. Welcome to Passion Church. We're delighted that you're here this morning. Despite the rain, this is a day the Lord has made. We're going to rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. Well, welcome again to Passion Church. Especially if this is your first time here, we welcome you in the name of Jesus. I'm Pastor Norris, the lead pastor. Met a couple of you this morning, your first time, Jason and Dion. We're so glad that you guys are here with us today. Amen. We believe God to do something wonderful in your life because that's who He is and that's what He does. He always does us good, doesn't He? Amen. Well, we're going to continue to worship. I want to read up by our giving and I want to read from Psalm 24. Notice here, listen to this. He says, the earth is the Lord's. You know, I know a lot of people want to stake claim to the earth, you know. 
It might be the devil, it might be politicians, it might be some geopolitical power, this one or that one. But you know, the scripture says emphatically, the earth is the Lord's. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad? Not only that, and everything in it. Hallelujah. Everything in it, all the gold, all the silver, all the taters in the field. (laughs) Amen. Taters are good. All the cattle on the thousand hills, he says. He owns it all, doesn't he? I'm so glad. And not only that, everything in it, the world, and all who live in it. Listen, the world doesn't belong to the devil. If it does, somebody got it wrong here. It doesn't belong to the devil, does it? No. It does not. It does not belong to the the ungodly. It belongs to God. He is the owner. Isn't that right? And as Christians, as believers, we know this. The Bible says that we have been bought with a price. We belong to God especially, don't we? And everything that we own is His. Amen. And you know, as we worship God, you know what we're really declaring is His, He is the Creator. He is a Redeemer, and He is the one who owns it all, and He is the one from whom I have received every blessing in my life. Isn't that true? The breath, the breath I breathe, the life I live, the future He has for me, it all belongs to God. So as we give this morning, we believe in giving of our tithes to God here at Passion Church. Now, you know, a tithe is 10%. We give 10%, but really, you know what? It all belongs to God. And you know what? When we give to God, it indicates that we have had an understanding of who God is, that He owns it all. Amen? You know, He not only owns the 10% that you're honoring Him with this morning, He owns the 90 too. You know, we talk a lot of times about stewardship. Well, the reason we talk about that is because we're not the owners. Otherwise, we talk about ownership. See, in this scripture, it's talking about ownership. Who owns it all? God does. He owns it all. So that, that can't be but one owner. So if He owns it all, then that means you and I are stewards of what we've received. And as we give back to God, you know what we're doing? We're not only acknowledging that we're stewards, we're acknowledging that He owns it all. That all that I have has come from His hand. Amen? And you know, when, when, we, when we hold back from giving to God, to me that says that I, I must think I'm the owner. Because you know, if you're the owner, you can do whatever you want to, can't you? Isn't that right? If I'm the owner, you know, if you... If you, if you loan me your car to use for a couple of weeks and, you know, I'm having car problems and, uh, you know, and you say, well, I've got an extra car here, just borrow it. And you give me that nice car of yours and you come back, you know, and the fenders are all dented in, the windows are knocked out, and it's been painted red. You don't like red? What would you think? One thing I know for sure, I ain't loaning him no car no more. No, I couldn't do that. Why? Because I would be a steward of that for those two weeks. Isn't that right? I couldn't do with it what I wanted to. And so as you give this morning, I want you to understand this. You're acknowledging 
God in your life, that He is the owner of everything. And that's a good thing because you know what? I'd much rather Him be the owner and me be the steward because He's so much wiser than I am. He's so much greater than I am. And you know, I found out this, that God is much more desirous to do more for me than I would be for myself. Isn't that right? That's what I've found. So as you give this morning, give with this recognition that not only what you're giving out of stewardship is His, but it's all His. You're His. I belong to God. I belong to God. You know, I read a scripture over there the other day. God says, from the time you were formed, He said, I was your God. And He said, even until the days when your hair turns gray or turns loose. I added that. Some of ours is doing both. That's okay, because God's numbered my hairs, and I'm going to get them all back one day. (laughs) But isn't it amazing? God cares for us, no matter what you're facing today. Maybe things are really good. Maybe things are not so good. Man, I've been in both places. You probably have too, but I found this out. When things are good, I give thanks to God. When things are maybe not so good, I, I especially give thanks to God. And I know this, He's going to bring me out. He always has. He always does. He always will. Father, as we give today, we thank You for Your goodness in our life. We thank You and we acknowledge that You are the owner of everything. As You said, Lord, every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from our Father above in whom is no variance, no changing. Lord, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Receive our gifts now in Jesus' name.
about this month? Building relationships. That's really what it's all about, isn't it? You know, we, we talked about this, you know, that even in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, there's relationship there. They're relating to one another. They're loving one another. They're working together. All of life is about relationship. When God created man and woman and put them in the garden, he said, be fruitful and multiply. It was all about relationships, isn't it? And even in the body of Christ, we've talked about this too. You know, it's about relationships. You know, we live in a time and an age today, you know, with social media and all that, and there's a lot of good things about it. I'm not being critical of it. There's a lot of good things, and like anything else, there's some abuse too. But one of the things is, with all of this going on, it's real easy to say, well, you know, I've got 200 friends, but, you know, the, and to be honest, we have no relationships. You can't have a relationship, you know, through social media. You can know some things about people. You can see their profile. You can see their picture. But we can't get to know one another unless we are in proximity with one another. Isn't that right? We've got to interact with one another to really build a strong relationship. And we've talked about having a relationship with the Father God. We've talked about that. And let me just say, you know, you can go on our website at my, mypassion.church. And you can listen to the podcast and kind of review or catch up if you want to. Uh, uh, for the, uh, if you haven't been here for every uh, Sunday, you haven't been able to be here, you can catch up that way. But we talked about our relationship with God the Father, that we're to develop a relationship. He is called Father. You can't say Father without thinking relationship, can you? Now, you can say God and not think about relationship, but when you say Father, there's a relationship there. Isn't it true? And when we talk about Jesus being our, not only our Redeemer, but our older brother, there's a, that's a relationship there. And, of course, Jesus talked about building a relationship with the Holy Spirit who is sent to be our teacher, our comforter, our guide, all of those things that He is to us. We build a relationship. And so we, we talked about building a relationship in our own families. You know, sometimes that's where it's, it's the most difficult, isn't it? Because we're around them all the time. It's kind of easy for me to have a relationship with people at church on Sunday morning if that's the only time I see you because, you know, we all got on our best behavior, don't we? We all know the right buzzwords to say, you know. But, you know, to be honest with you, if that's all we know is just each other for a few minutes on Sunday morning, we really haven't developed a relationship yet, have we? And that's one of the reasons we're going to be kicking off with small groups here before the year's out because it's in a small group setting that we really get to know one another, that we can, we can open our hearts, we can share with one another, we can pray for one another, we can be there for one another. We really get to know each other. And today we're going to be talking about our relationship with the world. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, misunderstanding, I think, when we talk about a relationship with the world, you know, uh, there's, there's one part of the body of Christ says, you know, we don't have anything to do with the world. Paul said, come out from among them, you know, and be you separate. So we don't, you know, we don't have any friends except Christian friends. We don't do, we don't do anything, but just, just with Christians, that's all we do. Then, you know, I remember years ago when I was a single man, you know, I'd hear, uh, Christian single ladies talk about missionary dating, you know, dating centers you know, to bring them into the Lord. So, you know, we get, you get the whole spectrum in the body of Christ about what's our relationship with the world supposed to be about. So I, I'm not going to tell you that I'm going to answer all your questions today, but we're going to look in the Scriptures and we're going to look at, at some, some, some broad general principles that are here about a relationship with the world. 
You know, I believe this, that Jesus has called us to go into all the world. Why don't you uh, turn to Mark chapter 16. We'll look there to begin with. Jesus has called us to go into all the world and proclaim the good news. Well, you know, if you don't know anybody that's not a Christian, uh, you can't really obey that scripture, can you? He didn't say go into all the church and say, you know, save the saints. The saints are already saved. He said go into all the world. Isn't that what he said? Well, let's look and see if that's what he said. Verse 15, he said to them, go into all the world. There it is. Preach the good news to all creation, to all people. So what is the mandate? Now, you know this was one of the last things that Jesus said to the disciples. And, of course, it's passed on to us as part of his family and his children. The last thing he said before he ascended into the heaven and seated at the right hand of the Father, he said, go into all the world and preach the good news. It's good news. You know what we want to tell people? The good news about Jesus. The good news about Jesus. That's what he's called us to do. And he's called us to go into all the world. Now, you know, I don't think, now, God may call you to do this. Make sure he calls you to do what you do, because then he gives you the grace to do it. But, you know, you don't have to go into the bars and everything to find the sinners. I think if you go about your everyday life, or your, your everyday walk, your, where you work and all, you'll run into enough people who don't know Jesus yet that you will have opportunity to do what? To share the good news with them. Now, how many of you know the difference between good news and bad news? Now, you know, sometimes, you know, theologians can get us mixed up. You know, and I'm not against theology, obviously, but, you know, theologians get us all mixed up because they, you know, they start splitting hairs about what's good and what's bad. You know, they want to, you know, but, but I thank God that God's given us not only uh, some Christian sense, but some common sense. Amen. And so I know the difference between what's good and what's bad. Isn't that right? Health and healing's good. Being sick is bad. That doesn't mean you're bad if you're sick. It means that that sickness in you is bad. Isn't that right? So I know the difference between good and bad. If you've ever been broke and poor, that's bad. But to, to have your needs met so that you can take care of your family and not only that, but help others, that's good, isn't it? And so, you know, I've been, you know, a sinner before. As I've told you before, if you know my testimony a little bit, they could have put my picture by it. But, you know, I know what it's like to be bound by sin. I know what it's like to have the grace of God and redemption in my life. That's good. The other was bad. So let's don't get, you know, let's don't get all, you know, super spiritual about trying to split hairs about what's good and what's bad. So when we go tell the good news, that means tell people something good. Don't tell them. You know, if you went to see a sick person, you wouldn't walk in a room and say, you know what? You're sick. Man, do you look sick. You really look bad. I don't know if you're going to make it. If that's the way you bring comfort, if I'm ever sick, please just stay away. <laughs> God bless you. I love you. But that, you know, we laugh about that, but we don't think anything in the world about when we around people that are lost. Sometimes we want to tell them, you old sinner, you're going to hell. What's the difference? I mean, man, I didn't need anybody to tell me I was a sinner. 
I mean, I, that wasn't a revelation. Even if some people told me that, it wasn't a revelation to me. I kind of knew, you know, if there was one, I was it. You know, that's not good news. The good news is that what? You can come back into a right relationship with God. That God so loved you that He sent His Son Jesus to die for you, to die for me, to take our place so that we could come back into a right relationship and fellowship with God. God's not mad at you. God's out to get you, but not in the way some people have told you. <laughs> Amen? Hallelujah. He is pursuing the sinner. You know, wherever Jesus went, you know, he, Jesus, you know, in his day, Jesus didn't have all that good a reputation. He was called a wine-bibber. Now, that's King James. You know, that, that sounds kind of not wine-bibber. What's a wine-bibber? In other words, they said, you really like to drink wine. Now, that Jesus, now, I'm telling you. I heard the other day he was over at one of these publicans and sinners. They were having a party. He was drinking wine. And I even heard they had a prostitute over there. Woo! Is this okay? Am I, be, am I too real for you? <laughs> Woo! Listen, this is the, I'm telling you, this is what it's about. So when we think about the world, you know, we're talking about people who don't know Jesus yet. They're hurting. They're broken. They're blind. They're looking for answers. But just like you and I, they may not know where to look. But you know what? That's what we're here for. So why should I have a relationship with the people of the, of the world? Well, number one, the obvious thing is, how are they going to hear about Jesus unless we do? What if God and Jesus had just stayed up in heaven and had warm, fuzzy feelings about us? You know, and every once in a while, every few hundred years, an angel came down and said, just want you to know, folks, God loves you. That's good. That's great to know. But how does that help me out of my situation? No, Jesus came down in the muck and the mire and all the mess that we as humans have created. And right in the middle of that, He began to show us what the Father was like. He forgave sins, didn't He? He brought hope to the hopeless. People who were outcast, He welcomed them in. Isn't that right? People who were caught up in their pride and self-righteousness, he rebuked sternly to break that shell. Are you listening? Jesus never did that to people who knew that they were sinners and knew that they need help. He did that to the people who were all caught up in their own self-righteousness and so sure that, man, they had it all together. Jesus had to break that shell at times. You know, he told the Pharisees, he said, you vipers. God has called us to be in it, but not part of it. So we, in this relationship building, we have to understand about our relationship boundaries. Look in John's Gospel, chapter 16. There are boundaries. Certainly there are boundaries. But here's the thing. The boundaries have to do with as we come 
in contact with those around us in the world that we don't create a self-righteous boundary. Are you listening? Where it comes across like we think we're better than them. That somehow I was the one who got it all together. And I was the one who made myself, you know, in right standing with God. All of a sudden like I'm so wonderful and you're down there. Come on. See, that's a wrong boundary. That's a self-righteous boundary. and That's a boundary that's going to keep people at arm's length to God. I think sometimes as Christians, we're so concerned that if somehow we, we have some contact with people who are lost, that, you know, somehow, you know, I've told you this before. When I, when I was growing up, a long time ago, when we, we'd be, especially, you know, in grammar school, we're young and all, and, of course, I had sisters, too. And we talked about girl cooties. Anybody know what that was? You know, that was, you know, we didn't want to get around those girls because we didn't want to get whatever, you know, those girls had. Well, we don't want to uh, don't get around them girls. We want to get the girl cooties. You know, and I think sometimes in the church, we, we're like that with the world. We don't want to get in those world cooties on us. Yet we come to church and we'll sing about greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. But then we go out and act like it's the opposite. Isn't that right? Listen, don't be afraid of the sinner. God's not given you a spirit of, but of power, love, and a sound mind. If you walk in the spirit, you have nothing to fear. He didn't say, you know, get in the mud hole with them. But he said this. He said, walk in what the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. We interact with them. I don't have to be afraid. You know why? Because God loves those people. Jesus died for them. You ever been around people that were different from you? Do you work around anybody that's different from you? Maybe somebody, people in your neighborhood. How dare they move into your neighborhood who are different from you? <laughs> You know, we we're all have our humanness about us. And in, in, our, in our humanity, we tend to gravitate to, toward those who are kind of like us, don't they? They have the same values. They have the same, you know, maybe belief system. Or maybe they look like us. Or maybe they, they have the same education background. Or whatever it might be, you know. And we, we tend to do that. And I understand that. That's in our humanity. But, you know, uh, Jesus, who was God, is God, and was God, who was perfect and, and faultless and and, and above all his creation, yet he humbled himself and came down and took on the form of humanity what, so that what he could relate to us and we could relate to him for the purpose of restoring us back into right fellowship and relationship with God. Amen? And so, you know, as Christians, as believers, as we're around people who may be different from us, you know, we're called to do that same thing. Didn't Paul say in Philippians, let the same attitude and mind that was in Christ, let it be also your mind and attitude, that although he was perfect and sinless and, and equal with God, he put aside all of that, he humbled himself. And isn't that what God's called us to do? when we're ministering to people around us, there will be a lot of times where we'll have to humble ourselves. Because you know what? The people will be different than we are. 
They'll look different. They'll act different. Their values will be different. They'll talk different. But that's where humility comes in. That's where our belief that God's grace in me is greater than the sin in them. Didn't Paul say, and over there in Romans chapter 6, where sin did abound, grace does. All that means is that as great as sin is in its working, the grace of God in Christ Jesus is bigger and greater. Because if it wasn't, there wouldn't be any saints. They'd just be a bunch of ants. <laughs> hey, man. We were all in the ant column till the grace of God came and moved us into the saint column. But we have to humble ourselves and give people the good news in it but not of it. See, some people mistake tolerance and compromise with God's love. See, I don't compromise about, you know, the values. Whatever God calls sin, it's sin. It was sin yesterday, it's sin today, it'll be sin tomorrow. Isn't that right? Sin, if whatever the Bible, whatever the Scriptures say is sin, it's sin. But here's the thing. It's not so much a, a, it is a sin problem in people's lives, of course, but you know, it's all about getting the sinner to Jesus. Are you listening? You know, we tend, as human beings, you know, uh, I'm a great one for making lists. I like to, you know, do that way. Maybe it's a teacher in me, but I like to make lists and everything and compare and contrast. And it's real easy for us as Christians to get this list of uh, sins, you know, from number one sin down to number whatever, th- how many there are sins. This is the biggie. Isn't that right? And this one's not so bad. You know, especially those areas in our life that may be working on, and they, God's still working on, that's not so bad. But now His or hers. But you know, the thing about sin is, any sin that's not brought to Jesus and put under the blood and the grace of God, any sin will lead you to hell. I mean, you know what? I mean, maybe, you know, I step out in front of an 18-wheeler and get splattered. But you just step out in front of a motorcycle going 70. You know, we're both dead. And that's the thing about sin. Sin will kill you. Isn't that right? And so what we want to do is not tell people, you know, hey, listen, you know, <laughs> you know, if you don't get rid of that, you're going to die. We want to bring people to Jesus who's the author of life. Say, so listen, Jesus wants to make you whole. Isn't that right? Jesus wants to forgive everything that you've done wrong. And listen, don't come across that you're so self-righteous like somehow, you know, you got your act all together, but boy, you know, they really need Jesus. No, we all need Jesus working in our life. Isn't that right? So it's not about compromising. I want you to look over. This may surprise you here. 1 Corinthians 5. Look at this. Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth. Now, Corinth, Corinthians is a good church to study by because they were probably, of all the churches we, we have any information about in Paul's day, they were the most fleshly. They came to church and got drunk. Now that's a carnal church. Yeah, you read over there. Paul says you're coming together, you know, for communion and, you know, some of you are drunk. Whoa. <laughs> That blows your mind. 
Yet Paul said to those same people, he said, he said uh, you are Christ, Christ is God, and all things are yours. Well, that can't be right. <laughs> so Paul's writing to this very fleshly, carnal church, and he's writing to them, and he says, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 9, he said, I've written you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Oh, we don't. We don't, Paul. We don't. Paul goes on. He said, not at all, meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy or swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. <laughs> Isn't that true? Well, I'm not having anything to do with any of those people like that. Boy, I'm... I wouldn't touch them with a 40-foot pole. I'm saved and cranktified. I mean sanctified. <laughs> but Paul here, he said, I'm not talking about those in the world. He said, otherwise, you've got to go out of the world. But now I am writing you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater, a slanderer, a drunkard, or a swindler. With such a man, don't even eat. So what's Paul talking about here? He says, if there is a believer who calls himself a believer, and yet he's living and bound by these kind of things, he said, those are the people, he said, don't associate with those people. He said, don't even eat with them. But he said, the people in the world, he said, you'd have to leave the world. So what's he saying to us is that we need to understand that in our relationships, there's boundaries that need to be set. Yes, there's boundaries in the world. I'm not going to go to, you know, to the bar with people, you know, and, you know, and, and kick back a few toddies with them. But I want to tell you what, the people who go and do that, I'm going to associate with as they come across my path in life, and I'm not going to come across as self-righteous. I'm not going to beat them up and beat them down. I'm going to give them the good news. Jesus came for people like you and me. He died for us. He shed His blood for us so that what? We could be forgiven. We can be brought into right relationship with God so that all the big dreams that God had for our lives can be fulfilled so that we can know Him and we can uh, uh, glorify Him. You know, the greatest life there is is the life walking with God. Isn't that right? You know, you ever look on you know, social media or whatever, it's all about you know, who you're following. You know what I mean? Well, who are you following? Well, I'm following so-and-so, or I'm following, you know, this guy, or I'm following this guru, or I'm following this person, or I'm following that one, you know? Well, I'm going to tell you what, I'd like to put on my, so I don't have a social media page, but if I had one, I'd want to put on there, following Jesus Christ. That's who I'm following. And that is the greatest opportunity in the world is to have the opportunity to become a follower in relationship with Jesus Christ and with the Father God. What greater adventure can there be? Glory to God. I mean, it's exciting. I mean, if you're a bored Christian, something's wrong. 
Something's wrong somewhere. Maybe, maybe, maybe you know you need to stretch your faith. Maybe you need to, 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 to get with God and, and, and let God give you a dream and let God give you something that's bigger than anything you've attempted for Him before and stretch your faith and reach out there and take a risk. Get out of the boat. Get on the water. Hallelujah. Amen. Man, I remember Cindy and I, we first got married and we had two little babies and God says, go to Argentina. Say what? <laughs> no, we didn't. We, we, we've always, she's been that way too. We're always excited about anything God would have us to do. He said, go to Argentina. We're like, hot dog, let's go. So we take two, we got two kids in diapers. We go, go to Argentina. We don't know anybody. You don't have a job. They won't let you work there. If you're, if you're, you know, if you're, you're an immigrant, you can't. So we go there. We don't know anybody. We, we don't have a job. So what was your income from God? FG from God. We're on the FG payment scale. And how many of you know they have bills in Argentina just like they have bills here? It's an amazing thing. Just because God sent you there doesn't mean you don't have any needs. Isn't that right? But we went there. You know, most of you know our story. We went there. God gave us favor. God opened doors for us. God blessed us. God met our needs. And it was exciting. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting in a, a service there with thousands of people there. Just, we're just checking everything out. We're just trying to find out what all God's doing in the nation. We're sitting there minding our own business. Somebody taps us on the shoulder and says, Oh, by the way, Dr. Cabrera would... Uh, wants to meet you guys. Come up to the office. He, we don't know him from anybody. He don't know us from anybody. And so we sit down. We're talking to him. We start sharing with him. Well, God sent us here, and this is what it's about and everything. And we're talking with him and having a cup of coffee. You know why the worship's going on? And he gets through, and he said, Brother, he said, I believe you need to, you're supposed to preach tonight. So we, I started then, kept, kept busy ever since, just preaching away, preaching our heart's content. You know, it's exciting. And see, I think sometimes the world, one of the reasons that the world's not attracted to Jesus is because, you know, sometimes Jesus is hidden too much in us and not revealed enough. I'm telling you what, He's not dull. He's not boring. I mean, get out and look at the stars at night sometime. God's not boring. You know, He could have just created one, one sun, one star, boom. One planet, one moon, boom, and that was it. But instead, he created billions and trillions of uncounted stars, galaxies, planets, all of this. And I mean, does that tell you God's boring? Does that tell you God's small? Does that, God, God, does that tell you God's limited? I'm talking about sharing the good news with people. Why should we? You know, we need to speak the truth in love to people. Isn't that right? The truth is this. You know, there's one truth, there's one way, and there's one salvation, and it's in Jesus Christ. There's one way. Isn't that right? There's one way. That's it. You know, there's one up and one down. I mean, can you go down three ways? No, down is down and up is up, isn't it? 
There's one truth. There's one way. There's one salvation. Neither is there any other name given among heaven whereby men must be saved. It's, what, it's, it's Him, isn't it? And so as we have a, these relationships that come across in our life of people that are not saved yet, we begin to share with them about the big Jesus, the saving Jesus, the healing Jesus, the forgiving Jesus, the, the, the exciting Jesus, the, the God that has a plan for their life that's bigger and better than anything they could imagine. Isn't that what Paul said over there in, in Ephesians? He said, now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above, boy, I love all those superlatives, don't you? Exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think, or even imagine. Well, I can imagine pretty good. I bet you can too. That's, that's the God we're talking about. That's the salvation we're talking about. We're not talking about, you know, just enough to barely get by in life, you know, your nose to the grindstone, and oh, no. God's big. He's great. He cares about you. He cares about every detail of your life. Saint and sinner. Jesus said He makes the sun to shine on the just and the unjust. <laughs> Hallelujah. Isn't that true? Sure it is. So what is the world anyway? I mean, we talk about it in the church all the time. What is the world? Turn over to 2 Corinthians 4.4. Well, you know, I'm just not going to have anything to do with this old world. I mean, you know. I just don't think we need to have anything to do with this world, Pastor Norris. I mean, you know, we need to just, you know, we need to just separate ourselves and not have anything to do with it. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Well, let's back up to verse 3. He said, and even if our gospel is, is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Listen. It, well, let me go and read this next, and I'll make a comment. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, it's not about me, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Now, Paul says here that the God of this world, who is the God of this age? The God of this age is Satan. And it says he has blinded the eyes of all those who are unbelievers, who are not saved. In other words, they can't see their need. They can't see their answer, the answer in Christ Jesus. They can't see it because the God of this world, what, has blinded their eyes. But the gospel is called the light. You and I as believers are called the light. Jesus referred to Himself as the light of the world. Now, Paul writes and says, we as believers, we're the light of the world. And our gospel message, what does it do? It shines the light into their lives so that what? The Holy Spirit then has a means and a way to begin to deal with their hearts. He begins to draw them to Jesus. He begins to draw them to the Father. But some light has to come in. And that's where you and I come in. If the light is taken out of a room, what's left? Did you know that darkness is merely the absence of light, isn't it? You go into a dark room at night, the room is, is dark. You might stub your toe on a chair or trip over something. 
because there's darkness there. But as soon as the light comes on, where does the light go? I mean, where does the dark go? You ever wondered about that? I mean, it was just here. It was pitch black. Now it's gone. Where did it go? The truth is, light has no substance. It is the absence of something. And so when the light comes, whether it's natural light, and of course, talking about the spiritual light of the gospel, the truth, the grace, the person of Jesus Christ, we bring that truth, and all of a sudden, what? Darkness dissipates so that people can all of a sudden, they can begin to see, what? Their need for God. They can see that God is the answer to that need. They begin to see that that Jesus cares about them, that God loves them, that there's a solution, there's a purpose for their life. And all of a sudden, we give the Holy Spirit something to work with. You know, I remember years ago, I, I came in to salvation in what they called the Jesus movement back in the 70s. Some of you may have read about that. Some of you may have been in that era as well. But in the Jesus movement, and you know, in, in those days, you know, uh, you know, I was into the drug culture and all of that, and I've shared some of my testimony. I mean, you know, we were not the kind of people that you brought home to mom. <laughs> hey, mom, look at these guys. I mean, we were not that kind of people. Uh, you know, we, we were, to say we were a little rough around the edges would be a kind thing. But we were in the drug culture, you know, and on top of that, you know, I, I, I grew up, you know, my dad was an alcoholic. It was abusive. You know, I was mad at everybody. My fuse was that long. And I was glad to light it if you didn't. <laughs> you know, I, I was. I was mad. I was angry. I was, you know, I, man, just, you know, I had taken so much off of people. When I got a certain age, I said, I ain't taking no more off of nobody. I don't care how big you are, how bad you are. I don't care. <laughs> You know, and we were in the drug culture. So, you know, for somebody to approach us, you had to have the real deal. If you were just religious, you wouldn't come around us. You know, we had the long hair and all of that, and we just didn't care. You know, foul mouth, the whole nine yards, you know. But uh, I remember uh, the, the, the guy who was my drug dealer, he got saved. And man, we just knew, man, and all of a sudden, all Tony wanted to talk about was Jesus. Man, I mean, we threatened him with, within an inch of his life. Of course, he knew how we were, because we used to buy our drugs from him. He was just like us. And we just sure that Tony, you know, he's, I mean, you know, he's just, I mean, he's taking one too many hits of LSD. He just, Tony's just, he is burnt out. I mean, man, he, Tony, you know, you know. But, you know, he would witness to me. And he would talk to me about He didn't beat me up. He, he would tell me about Jesus. He'd tell me that God loved me. Man, you know, and, and he'd give me a track, and I'd wad it up and throw it in his face. You know, and we'd be out, you know, doing drugs. We'd be out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, there wasn't a living soul around us. We're out partying, drinking, doing drugs. All of a sudden, we'd run across these People who were campers, and they were just sold-out Jesus fanatics. Out there camping in the middle of nowhere. What in the world were they doing out there? I mean, you know, only crazy people like us were out there. And, you know, we run across them. And the reason I know they were the real deal, because they had the nerve to witness to us. 
And it seemed like that summer, no matter where I went, there was people always, somebody somewhere, witnessing to us. Talking to us about the good news of Jesus. You know, and I'm so glad, you know, that, that there were people who had the real deal. And even though we were, we were as worldly just about as you could get. I mean, as far as the religious people were concerned, we weren't worth the time of day. But there were people who really had a relationship with Jesus, who were not intimidated by sinners, were not intimidated by the things that bound us, that believed that the God that had forgiven them was big enough to forgive us and to give us a new life. I'm so glad about that. And so, the, you know, where he talks about, you know, this, the world system, that that word world there, and we might as well turn over, turn over to 1 John real quickly, chapter 2. He's talking about the world system here, 1 John 2, I believe it is, 15. is where we want to look at here. He said, do not love the world or anything in the world. That, that word translated world there comes from the, the, the Greek word cosmos, and it means world system. In other words, the values, the belief system, the manner of life of those who are living in this world system that is dominated by Satan. And he goes on to tell us, give us a a summation of what that is. He said, if anyone loves the world, the cosmos, the world system, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world system, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world system. Now, the world's viewpoint, its values and its belief systems, that's what's got everybody bound. Are you listening? And it boils down to these three categories. I will, I need, and I want. It is egocentric. It is man-centered. I will... I need and I want. And that's where it's all boiling down from, from that that perspective. The King James puts it this way, I will, the pride of life. Oh, buddy, the pride of life is a big thing right now. You know, it's all about success. It's all about accumulation. It's all about who I know. It's all about my education. It's all about this. It's all about that. Are you listening? Man, you, you stand in line at the checkout counter there, you know, and they, you know, they, they got all the magazines up there, and it's all about the beautiful people. You know, it's about the, the, the billionaires, soon to be the trillionaires, or it's all about, you know, uh, the, the starlet with the perfect body, or whatever it might be. It's, I mean, it's just, you know, they present it out there. If you really, really, really want happiness, if you really want to, to, to be in the in crowd, this is what you need to have, this is what you need to pursue, and this is what you need to look like, the pride of life. Are you listening? And people don't realize that there's a snare in the pride of life. That that world system will chew you up and spit you out and say, next. Because if you read the fine print under all the beautiful people, their marriages are a wreck. Their health is a wreck. They have no peace. 
They have no joy. And the only purpose they have is to, you know, is to be seen with the right people, to be on the red carpet, to be, you know, to accumulate this stuff, to drive this, to wear the latest fashion. Pride of life. The lust of the flesh. You know? The lust of the flesh. What? What is it? I, man, I got, I just, man, we, you know, we live in a consumer society, don't we? Now, you know me. I believe this. I believe that God wants to bless you. Don't misunderstand me. I believe God wants you to have good things. But here's the thing. Jesus said, let that be added. Don't let it be your pursuit. He said, your pursuit is what? Is God in the kingdom of God. Isn't that what he said? Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things. He'd just been talking about them, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Clothes and food and place to, uh, to live. and all. He said, all these things will be added to you. He even went on to say, it's the, God, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you all this. But see, when we in the world system, the lust of the flesh, see, I thought I had to get it. Man, I got to go out there and, you know, make something of myself. I got to do something. I got to, you know, man, I, if I'm not driving this, I'm nobody. If I'm not living in this part of town, I'm nobody. If I don't wear these kind of clothes, I, you know, I'm not with it. Rather than what? What is on the inside? God on the inside giving me peace, giving me joy, giving me hope. Giving me faith. Giving me love. Acceptance. I can lay my head down and sleep. You know, I, you know I'm, Cindy and I on our journey, we, we've been on both ends of the spectrum. We've, we've been where we live day to day. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating. God's my way. Day to day. I mean, you know, when we were in Argentina, this was way before the days of cell phones and internet and all that. Man, you'd, you'd, you'd call, I'd, I'd call up, you know, the office here, and, you know, and say, well, how much money is in the bank account? Nothing. That made your day. <laughs> Man, I remember coming back, you know, you know and, and after, you, you know, you've, You've done what, what you believe God called you to do and on. We came back from the mission field in Argentina and we came here. And of course, you know, there was a band waiting for us when we got off the plane. They gave us the key to the city. Here's your, we got a house, a car for you here. Not. We, we disposed of everything when we went overseas. We, we, we gave stuff away. We gave furniture away, gave car away, gave all that away. When you come back, guess what? You need that stuff. Especially when you got two kids. But we had, we had nothing. We had less than nothing. <laughs> you know? But you know what? It didn't bother us. We were just as happy. Because we knew that God, He was going to provide for us. Amen. And if I had time, I could tell you story after story. If I got to, see, that's, to me, that's exciting. That's the God we're serving. But see, you don't have to lust after these things. And then he said, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. Well, I want her. I want him. I want this one. I want that one. Then when you get that one, you don't like that one. You want another one. 
That's the world system, isn't it? Come on. It absolutely is. So don't be enamored with the world system, but do love the people that are ensnared by it. So when he says, you know, be in the world, but don't be of the world, what's he talking about? He's not talking about the people. He's talking about the world system, the world's values, the pride of life, the lust of flesh. I I want, I, I will, I want, I need. The egocentric. It's all about man. It's all about me. You know, that's the reason we see in our culture, I've seen it even from my day, as young as I am. I've seen it happen from the time I was in school. When I was in school, especially in grade school, and all, you know what? Every day, we came to school, we said the Pledge of Allegiance, we read from the Bible, which was right up there in plain view of God and everybody, and we prayed. Come on. And not only did we do that, that's the way it was done with my parents and grandparents who have been referred to as the greatest generation. Who built the foundation of all this stuff we enjoy today? It was those people that read the Bible at school that said the Pledge of Allegiance in school and actually had the audacity to pray at school. But yet the world wants to tell us, oh, that's all bad. That just creates all kind of problems. No, it's created all kind of blessings. Now the problem is, you know, you can't coast on your blessings. See, and we've been enjoying the benefit of those blessings for a number of years. But you know what? We're beginning to see. I remember... Uh, in one of our houses, uh, I think it was the second house we owned, uh, a wonderful, beautiful house the Lord provided for us and everything. But I remember I was in the, uh, the dining room one day, and, and uh, I was doing something, and I, and I got up from the floor uh, from what I was doing, something or something, and I was going to brace myself on the wall, and my hand went right through the wall. Guess what? You got it. But you know what? And until I... I put pressure, the weight of my hand on that wall. It looked completely like all the other walls. It looked absolutely normal. It looked, the paint looked beautiful. It wasn't peely. Everything looked beautiful. But once I put a little bit of weight, a little bit of pressure on it, I mean, zoop. Surprise, surprise. And come to find out, it was all honeycombed from termites. So we had to have the... The guy come out, you know, we, of course, we had a termite bond on it. They came out, but they had to do a lot of work with it to restore it and to keep it from happening again. And see, we need to understand with this world system coming in to our country and not only our country, but around the world into our culture, you know what? It creates a honeycomb. And see, you, you may look on the surface out here like everything is just wonderful. Oh, man, stocks are up. The stock market's doing good. So many jobs were created. So many, and all that's great and good. But we, it can have the appearance that everything is just wonderful until some pressure is put on it. And then we find out that all this system of this world, it cannot support you. It cannot save you. It cannot deliver you. 
So don't be enamored by the world system, but do love the people in it. That's what Jesus did. Amen? Living witnesses to the world's people. This is what we've called to be. Look at Matthew 5 real quickly. I've got to hurry up here. I've not got much time left. I've got to close. Verse 13, Jesus is speaking. He said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Now, you know, what is Jesus talking about here? Because salt cannot lose its saltiness. It's impossible. It can't lose it. So what's he talking about here? If the salt loses its saltiness, what's it about? Well, you know, here's the thing. And he refers to us as salt. You know, some of the things that salt does, one of the things that salt does is that it preserves. You know, years ago before they had refrigeration and everything, especially when they were crossing long voyages on on the ocean, you know, they, they would salt the pork down. You know, they'd salt whatever meat. A lot of times it was pork, whatever meat they had. They would salt it down because that salt would keep it from spoiling. And one of the purposes for us being salt is what? We preserve things. Are you listening? Our prayers, when we pray for our nation and our government, you know what? It preserves things. When we pray, God is able to move in a way that He wouldn't move if the people of God did not pray. The life that we live as we go about our interaction with people that, uh, that are in this world system and blinded by this world system, we are salt to them. Salt also adds flavor. And see, we are to bring the flavor of God's kingdom, God's righteousness, God's uh, uh, grace, God's love, all the things that are God, all those things about God, we bring those things to bear to the people around us. Are you listening? Absolutely. We're to be salt. He says you're to be salt. Salt also has a, a disinfectant aspect about it. Are you listening? It's used, it, it can help to cure or to speed up the healing process. It, it's a, it can be used as a disinfectant. So, you know, it, it sounds, maybe it sounds a little crude, but we are a preserving and disinfecting power. <laughs> and presence in our nation. Are you listening? You know, you think things are bad? Just think if it wasn't for the Christians that were in America, what, what the condition of this nation would be. What if the, it wasn't for the people of God that were praying and interceding? Think what condition this nation would be in. I mean, there, you know, there's a lot that's bad about this nation. There's no question about it. But how much worse would it be if it wasn't for us being salt? And see, we bring that down. Now, that we're talking on a big scale, but we bring that down to where you and I live, with our neighbors, with our coworkers, with the people that we interact with, with the clerk at the store or the waitress at the restaurant or wherever it may be. We're the salt for their lives. We, we bring a flavor to their colorless world. Are you listening? Because if you're living uh, in this world system, I want to tell you, you know, it's, it's dark. Because he said he, the God of this world has what? He's blinded them. It's dark. I'm telling you, if, if I didn't have Jesus and I was looking at the way this world was going, 
Oh, buddy, I'd be looking to build me a bunker too. You ever read about these you know, wealthy people? They're building some kind of bunker. I got news for them. That bunker, won't, it, might, it might save them from an atomic attack, but it won't save them from the attack of Satan. You know, an atomic war can only sh- destroy the outward man, but sin will destroy, destroy the whole man. And so, as you and I go about living our lives, we become salt to those people. You know, salt also can make you thirsty. You know, part of what we're about as we live our lives, as we are sharing the good news of Jesus, you know what? We want to make people thirsty. You know, some people look at, you know, the church, and I understand, because they look at a Christian, they look sad, they look beat down, they look defeated, they're whining all the time, they're complaining all the time, they sound just like the world. And then they say, don't you want what I got? No, I think I already got it. I think I already caught me a mess of that. But see, if they see joy on you, isn't that right? They see hope about you. They see a smile on your face. They hear you speaking words of faith. You're talking about this Jesus that loves you and has loved you and has forgiven you. And you just talk about Him the way they talk about Bezos. I mean, if they can talk about, you know, the latest hunk or whatever in the movies, I can talk about Jesus. But don't preach it. People just talk about Him like you've got a relationship with Him. Man, I know. it. You know, they start talking about how bad it is. I mean, you know, you say, I said, yeah, you know what? That'd be true. But, you know, I was talking to Jesus the other day, and He said everything's going to be okay, so I'm really not too worried about it. Instead of preaching at Him, just talk like He's real. Just talk like you've got a relationship with Him. Man. You know, I was reading after Jesus the other day, and this is what he said about that. Amen. If they can quote their expert, I'm going to quote mine. Amen. Well, this is what so-and-so said about the stock market. Well, you know what? That's interesting that you'd mention that because this is what Jesus said about it. He said, if I'd seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, he'd make sure all this stuff was added to me, whatever the stock market does. Amen? See, it don't matter which way the market's going. If it's up, down, in between, doesn't matter. And see, we start relating to people in that way. He said we're to be light. Light reveals. It reveals both sin and God's righteousness. It reveals sin, but it also reveals the answer. I mean, I wouldn't want to go to a doctor and him just tell me I'm sick. Well, I kind of had a feeling I was, you know. That's the reason I came. I'm glad you told me, you know, and you put a name on it, and that's all good too. But, you know, how do I get cure? Where's the cure? What's, I mean, what's the treatment for this stuff? Amen? That's what light does. Light exposes what's wrong, but also it also lets me know what's the answer. And so we, after the light is exposed, you know, that my life is not right, then also give them the answer. Amen? A relationship that is brought back 
where it should be with God through faith in Jesus. That relationship as I walk with God as, as, as His friend, as my Lord, as I'm walking together with Him, He is bringing wholeness and soundness. He's, he's lining my life up with His will and His purpose. And you know, and I have peace and I have joy no matter what. I don't have to pursue all the stuff the world's pursuing to fulfill me. He's sufficient. Real quickly, praying for our unsaved family and friends. Real quickly, I want to get this in. I got about four minutes here, so got to do this quick. Praying for our unsaved family, friends, and acquaintances. Look over in Ephesians 6. I'm sure you probably know this and could probably quote it, but let's go over there and read it. Ephesians 6 and verse 12. Paul is writing, he said this. He said, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. As we go about in this world, but not of this world, we're interacting with people who do not know Jesus yet. They're, they're living by the, the values and the belief systems of the God of this world, this world system, whether it's a, a political belief, an economic belief, a philosophical belief, whatever it might be. We're, we're interacting with them. We need to remember this first. They are not the enemy. That foul mouth person in that cubicle down from you is not your enemy. That person, you know, on the production line with you, when the machine messes up, that says that blankety-blank-blank-blankety-blank-blank-blank is not your enemy. Now that's hard sometimes to remember. Because let's face it, none of us like that. Isn't that right? But you know what? Just as Jesus came into this world as a holy God, and He came in to rescue us, we are going about that continuing business of redemption and salvation with the good news around those that, you know, if it was just my personal preference, I'd just as soon not be around. Are you listening? But, call, but God has called us to be around them. Are you listening? He said, otherwise, you've got to go out of the world. So how many, how many, you know, if you want to get away from all of that in this world, we'll have an altar call at the end of the service, and we'll all pray that you go home and be with the Lord today. Because that's the only place I know where you can escape. So he says, it's not against flesh and blood, but against what? Rulers, authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So we know it's spiritual forces. Or as Paul said in another place, the God of this world. He's blinded them. Isn't that right? So when we go to pray for our families, first thing is we understand our battle is spiritual. The battle for those around us who are unsaved is spiritual. It's not natural. You're not going to debate somebody into the kingdom. He didn't say go in all the world and debate the sinner. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I'm trying to help you here. Now, if you want to go debate, you go right ahead. You're not going to get very far. He says, it's not against flesh and blood. He said, it's, it's, it's the spirit of this world. So what we need to do is stand up as our, in our God-given authority, 
and used the name of Jesus that's been given to us. He says in Matthew 18, 18, he said, whatever you bind in the earth will be bound in the heavenlies. And we take the authority of the name of Jesus and we bind the spirits of darkness that are blinding our co-workers, our family, friends, whoever they are, neighbors, and we pray for them in our prayer closet, and we take authority over that spirit that is blinding them. This is the first step. Then secondly, as we have opportunity, we share the good news of the gospel. Because what? We want the gospel to penetrate, don't we? We want it to penetrate. Because then, when the gospel begins to penetrate, the Holy Spirit has something to work with. Look, look back over in John real quickly. I just want to reference this one more time. John 16, 13, he said, But when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but He will only speak what He hears... And He will bring glory, what? He will bring glory to the Father, or He will bring glory to me, speaking of Jesus, by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. When we begin to speak, what happens? All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit is able to, to deal with the hearts of people. Jesus said when the Spirit of truth has come, number one, He's going to what? He's going to convict the world, what? Of sin. Isn't that right? Who convicts the world of sin? Not me. The Holy Spirit does. But He uses my prayers and He uses the gospel that I'm sharing with people and He convicts them of it. Because unless the Holy Spirit convicts them of it, you're not going to convince anybody. Isn't that right? Man, when I was lost, you, you could come up to me and say, man, you need to stop taking them drugs and, you know, drinking that liquor and all that. And what else you got to say? As you pick yourself up. Come on. But you know, all of a sudden, I, I, you know, I know it was Tony, probably others were praying, and all of a sudden, you know, when people would share that, I had a different reaction. I was like, I didn't really know what to say. But all of a sudden, what they said, after they left, it continued to say to me. You know what I mean? It kept on speaking to me. Man, I'm telling you what, there wasn't a big enough uh, uh, bottle of liquor that that didn't speak to me. Come on. It didn't satisfy anymore. All of a sudden, something wasn't right. What's going on here? It was the Holy Spirit's work. But see, now, somebody spoke to me. They did. But I'm glad they gave me the good news of the gospel, not the bad news that I was going to hell. I pretty much had that figured out already so we bind the dark power that binds them and then he also went on to say pray for laborers to be sent across their path Matthew 9 verse 36 and 37 you can read that there so we're talking about today relationship with the world building a relationship with the world listen how many of you we, you've got unsaved friends families or co-workers some some are all in that category we all do don't we I mean, you know, Jesus died for them, didn't He? He loves them. He wants them to be saved. He wants them to be rescued 
from the, the God of this world. And you know what? He's counting on you and I. Don't look around for somebody else. It's you and I. He's brought those people across our path. He's brought us across their path. What? To be salt, to be light, to, 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 to share the gospel with them, to pray for them, to break the powers of darkness so that the, that word, that gospel can penetrate and the Holy Spirit can begin to deal with them. Amen? You know, I always rejoice if, when we have people who are saved at, uh, you know, a service like this. But you know what's a greater rejoicing? You pray for people at work and get saved. You pray for people in the, in the checkout line and they get saved. Amen? You, you pray for people while you're out at the dog park walking your dog and they get saved. Or healed or whatever it might be. Then that's when, that's when it's wonderful, isn't it? God's not just God on Sunday morning. He's God every day. Everywhere. And in every place. And where you go, He's there. Let me give you some action points real quick and we're going to pray. <clears throat> I just asked you the first one. Do I have any relationship with unsaved people? We all raised our hands. Secondly, have I recognized my responsibility to cultivate that relationship with them in order to reach them with the gospel. That's our responsibility. Jesus said, each one of us, go into your world and share the gospel. Give them the gospel. We can give it by what? Being a light. He said, what? Our good deeds, our attitudes, our actions, along with our testimony and our words. All of those are ways that we testify to the gospel. Amen? All of a sudden, you're at the work and you're the one person that's not criticizing, you know, uh, the, the supervisor when everybody else is giving them down the road. And you, you, you know, and you know, and you have something positive to say. And they, they ask you why, and they see that's all you need. As soon as you say why, oh, glad you asked. You can't fuss at me about, you know, I'm not cramming the gospel. You ask me. You said why. Why do you act that way? Why are you always happy? Why are you always smiling? Why do you do that? Why, do, when we're all griping and complaining around here, do you speak up and say, well, let's just pray for her? Oh, I'd lose my job. I don't think you will. I think you'll find one. The real reason you're there. Not just to make a living, but to make a life. Finally, Am I praying for the unsaved in my world? Now, here's what I want to do. We all raised our hands, or it looked like everybody did, when we said that we have either family, friends, or, or people we work with, peers, that, that are lost. Is that right? So here's what I want us to do. I want us, I'm going to lead us. I'm just going to take just a moment. I'm going to pray. And we're going to dismiss you, let you go home. But here's the thing. We're going to pray, and we're going to pray exactly as the Scripture says. We're going to take authority in the name of Jesus, okay, over the spirits of this world that is blinding their understanding and reception to the gospel. We're going to take authority over that, and we're going to pray for them. Amen? Pray for their, their hearts and their minds to be open, and, and for the God of this world, His blinding power to be broken over their life. And then secondly, we're going to be the answer for their life. We're going to ask God and be ready 
for an opportunity to share the gospel with them. Are you listening? We're going to be the solution to their need for Jesus. We're going to, we're going to offer ourselves up as God's laborers. Okay? Now, as I pray here, you pray there too for that person that you've got particularly on your mind. Maybe it's a family member or whoever it might be. Now, Father, right now, each one of us, in the name of Jesus, we have come boldly before your throne to lift up a particular person that is in our mind, in our heart right now. Father, we take the name of Jesus that you've given us. We take the authority in that name, and you said whatever we bind on earth would be bound in the heavens. And so in the name of Jesus, and you, you, you speak this same thing too, just loud enough where you can hear it for yourself. In the name of Jesus, we bind the spirits of darkness over the lives of this person. You say their name. Over the lives of these people, Lord, we bind the hand of the enemy and the wicked one. We break his power over them. He'll not blind their hearts or minds any longer to the gospel. Father, we pray that the, their hearts and minds will be open to receive the message of the gospel. Now, Father, grant us boldness to speak as we have opportunity to say what should be said when it should be said. Father, with boldness, with confidence, and with love. But we're going we're gonna to be the answer to their need for salvation. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Well, listen, I want to hear some testimonies that lives have been uh, touched and changed and saved because of the opportunity that God gives you. You seize the opportunity this week. You take that opportunity to share Jesus. Amen? Well, Pastor Walt's going to come share a couple of announcements, and then he's going to pray over you and dismiss you. Praise God. Great message, brother. Amen. Well, I'll tell you what. You know, when you start talking about building a relationship, you think in the world, you think it's people outside, but it can be very close to you. It can be your mate. It could be your kids. It could be your sister, your brother, unsaved people in your lives. That's the world. And so what a great message to, to go out and do some things and watch God grow the kingdom. Amen. I'm telling you, this is an exciting time. It's exciting messages. Building relationships is so key to living a good life. Man, I'm telling you, it's, and it's work every day. And he's just covered it all, man, from the wife, the husband, the kids, the world. I mean, you, he's covered it all. You know, something that we can take and use every single day because we, I'm around people every single day. I work with them. I'm in the grocery stores with them. I'm a department store everywhere. I'm around people, and you hear but it's a boldness that you got to have to say, you know what? You know, let me tell you something that's better than what you're going through. And this is how we get it. We get this resource, this message, you know, that we're hearing, and we allow God to work in us so that we can work it in them. Amen? Well, praise God. I don't want to preach Pastor Nara's message. <laughs> He's done a great job. But relationships is a real key, man. I love this. I love this kind of stuff. Uh, because I so much needed it. He gave a great testimony, but I so much needed that in my life. You know, he talked about how God changed him, but every one of us got a testimony on how we came in, and we should give it back out to people that we're around that we see. We see them every day, just like us. They were just like us. People were afraid to say things to them, to share Jesus with them. They were afraid to share Jesus with you, but somebody penetrated that wall. 
And so what we've received this morning and all the mornings before this, Sunday mornings, resources on what to do to penetrate people's lives that we're around every day. And let's be bold with it. Let's do it. That's how we grow. Amen. Well, here's another, here's one of the big, big announcements, and I shared this last week, but there, we need committed team members. You know why you have teams? You have, you have teams so you can have fresh legs on the field. You know, bring a group in, send a group out. You need fresh legs, and so we need team members, committed team members. You know, production team. That you read, we sing in songs and reading words and scriptures. We need people on the production team uh, so that they can take a break and sit and do what we're doing. So if you're not committed to a team or, on, or doing something, you know, the ushers, as you go out of the church, out of the uh, assembly here this morning, the ushers have cards, you know, and they'll, and, and, and they'll have different areas on teams that you can sign up for. Just check one. Drop it off, and then someone will contact you and let you know when you how you can support or be a part of that team. But you know what? When you do that, let's be committed. Committed. That's a big word. Uh, also, uh, you can drop it. If you picked up a card last Sunday and you have it with you this morning, you can drop it off and somebody will contact you. We're not trying to rush you in this. You need to take it home. You need to look over it. Hey, God, where do you want me to be? Do that. But bring it back. Give it to somebody so you can be a part of what God is doing for Passion Church. Amen. Also, don't forget Danny Johnston. Danny Johnston, February 11th. You, won't, you don't want to miss that one. So invite, some, invite somebody. Their lives will never be the same. Also, if you're new to Passion Church, you know, we'd love to meet you. Just after we dismiss, just come down to the stage. Uh, we'll answer any questions you may have. We just want to welcome you and thank you for coming and be a part, being a part of what we have been experiencing this morning. Also, if you need prayer. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.